This is NBR's Live from the Hive, a compilation of the week's top stories straight out of the beehive. Do you have something to add? Head over to nbr.co.nz and join the discussion. And just like that, beehive batter is back and I have to say I feel richer. Yep, just today I heeded the advice of the government in order to save money. I had a shorter shower, I turned the heat pump down, I washed my clothes in cold water and I switched things off at the wall. Well, when I say I felt richer, that was until my bank uh, sent me an email saying they'd lifted the floating rate higher after this week's OCR decisions, thus wiping out the savings and wiping out that smile off my face after suffering that shorter and colder shower. Now, uh, Brent, really the best the government can do, apparently, after, uh, some would say, causing more mortgage pain, is offering handy little hints with Megan Woods sounding more like Martha Stewart every day. What's next one? Are we going to have a budget well, cooking class? I, look, I feel for your pain. I mean, you know, here's the guy who took a chopper flying into dro- trout fishing no. near Topo. <laughs> no. And he, he's moaning about his no. mortgage. I mean, no, it was a trial. <laughs> and no, I, no. Yeah. Um, look, yeah, the, the timing seems a bit odd, but this has been done before. I mean, we have, this is not the first time we've had this. What, cooking have, hints and energy hints? hints and yeah, yeah. In fact... Uh, in 2009, um, the government, the then government, national government, ran a $4 million campaign to tell people how to save power. Well, at least they didn't what, call it this, oh, find money well, in weird places. Well, one of the arguments was not only would it, it help, of help reduce uh, energy use, but it would help reduce costs for people. But this reeks of desperation at a well, time when we're heading into the well, election and, reeks, and mortgages yeah, are up again. Yeah, I, I just think probably the timing is wrong for them and they could what they will face is this political argument about, oh, the day that the Reserve Bank increased interest rates again, they've come out with this. Um, yep. Have you know, a shorter from, shower. Yeah, well, you know, well, actually, I mean, if you are um, struggling as much as you are, you, I think a shorter shower probably do you a lot of good. I hate cold showers and I hate short showers. Now, the Nats call the OCR decision a kick in the guts, they said. Seymour says any budget benefits have just been eaten up, which is, which is true. And the Greens, as usual, spouting on about wanting an immediate, if not sooner, wealth tax. Yeah, I mean, both National Act, you know, were going to say that. I mean, one thing, though, was everyone was picking and, you know, and they reinforced that view after budget. Oh, this was the bank, the Reserve Bank will go up 50 basis points. And of course, well, no, some said that, that. And it went up 25 basis points, and it was actually arguing between a no increase or 25 basis points. Yeah, but they had a and vote this time. They had they a had, vote, they didn't had, they? They had a vote, that's right. It, that was interesting. And at the same point, and I think the Reserve Bank Governor, Adrian Orr, has reiterated again. While they see the budget having perhaps some inflationary impact on the first year, in the in the other years it's contractionary. So they're not seeing the government's books as a big problem in terms. No, of what but they did kind of cite the uh, increase on the fact that the Labor government have opened the immigration floodgates. That only a couple of years ago they were moaning about that we had too many immigrants coming in. And not that long ago, everyone else was moaning we didn't have enough immigrants, skill shortage of staff. Are you just going to say the opposite to what I say? Well, that's the whole point of this program, That's isn't true. It? <laughs> now, the Reserve Bank seemingly have said that's it for now, but it's going to remain where it is for a while. Yeah, and, um, you know, that was interesting. I mean, unless there's some untoward event happening yep. and there's, it's, it looks as though that they've stopped, they won't raise interest. And they certainly, by the look of it, and I guess the government will take some pleasure out of this, they won't raise rates again before the election. Um, Although, given that they've increased rates here now, people's uh, mortgage rates are still going up. There are a group of people who will still find higher rates before the election as their fixed rates flow over. 
it probably isn't going to do the government a lot of good, but at least it's better than people fearing that rates are going to go ever-increasing upwards. Reserve Bank signalled clearly that it's going to stop. Well, until someone uh, signals to the Reserve Bank that, for example, there might be tax cuts, which means more money in your pocket, which means more spending, which means more inflation, that, which I'm going to get to in a minute, but they might not be able to look through that. Anyway, which, the budget or the OCR rise is going to make voters feel better going into the election? Well, I mean, I think we made the point that for the people that probably might have looked at the budget and thought, oh, that's great, was the those with two-year-olds who are now going to get the free... Well, no, there's but, arguments about yeah, that there, now. There's arguments about that, but let's just say that, you know, but, but those people, most of those young families will also have a pretty big mortgage. So whatever savings they do get out of it, whatever, however that works through, will probably be more than wiped out by an increase in their mortgage costs. Now, I just mentioned tax, and speaking of tax, the PM hinting this week that next year, and I don't know if that means they're going to tell us next year or actually institute changes next year should they win around a tax creep. So changing the tiers, or as he put it, looking to reset income tax brackets. All expected stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that will come in their um, policy for the election. I mean, they've, they've said plenty of times they're going to come out with some sort of tax no, policy. No, what they said plenty of times was we're not going to talk about tax. We no, promised them they, this thing. They didn't say what they were going to do. It's no, only now he's talking they, about this. They have indicated that there will be tax changes in their policy. And so now he's talking about tax brackets, which would presumably take away some of Nationals' kind of wind on that because that, that's their policy. Of course, this week too, we've had the CTU put out a report which had been backed up with, by Grant Roberts and saying to the National Party, show us where the money is for these tax cuts because they're going to cost more than, um, you know, that was initially calculated. Well, if that's the case, if Labor comes out with a policy on tax brackets, where's the money coming from? Where do you think it'll come from, Grant? I think uh, they'll I... announce a policy around capital gains tax or wealth tax, so they'll give money here and they'll take money here. People like you flying in helicopters you should, people be, like me. You should be worried, hey, I don't Listen, I don't I'm live in a luxury beach house I'm like you. I'm trying to help you out here. All right, so, <laughs> so the finance minister borrowing even more money for the budget, saying, in fact, the cupboard now, apart from the election lolly scramble, is bare. And then what? A week later, finding another $140 million in business social welfare to an overseas company that apparently has around $14 billion in revenue and made almost $3 billion in profit in 2021. That's the owners of New Zealand Steel. Explain the optics here. Well, because the money, the $140 million has come from a fund with money set aside in the previous budget, in the Giddy Fund, $650 million, that money comes from the emissions trading scheme. But this not company doesn't, from, doesn't not, not, put not, any not, money not, into the emissions trading scheme. No, it doesn't, that's scheme. right, but it, not from general taxation. But So it's not like he's found money that doesn't exist. The money's always been there. Right, uh, the Nats blasting the deal. Very quiet on that. The next, yeah, well, I, I mean, that's the argument. I think you're going to get onto it. Should government subsidise big business to cut their emissions? And National says it wouldn't. The ACT Party is very clear that it wouldn't. The government argues, Labor and the Green Party too, argues that, yeah, in an ideal world you wouldn't, but actually unless you do it, you they won't do it, certainly not as quickly as the government needs them to do it in terms of bringing down New Zealand's overall emissions to meet those Paris Agreement targets. See, I, I didn't need to say anything because you just gave me the whole answer. Now, look, here's the thing that gets me. Is there a price freeze for the contact price for 10 years? Because they said it's a 10-year deal with mm. at a certain rate. Because here's my question. Now, I'm with contact, and recent reports suggest electricity prices are going to double in five years for the poor old consumer. That's you or me. Uh, so what? Do I pay more? 
over the next five years. But the big corporate that's just got 140 million not only gets that subsidy, but it has a cheap rate for years at my expense. Pr- pretty much, but but the government's that's a yes but, but the government's got that sorted. How? It, well, it's given you the advice: take shorter showers. <laughs> <laughs> my God! Speaking of welfare, <laughs> a green light for an overseas betting agency to take over in a monopoly situation. Our TAB, with the government citing survival as the reason, and talks of geo-blocking other betting agencies so that you can't bet with them, all at no cost to the poor old taxpayer. Nearly fell over when we heard that. Yeah, well, I mean, the racing industry's been in the doldrums for years and years and years, and we've had bits of government money, particularly when New Zealand First was there. Winston Peters was very keen on um, helping them out. But, I mean, this, I guess, is a opportunity, a commercial opportunity to get the racing industry back on its feet. One would presume if this isn't enough to do it, this deal, then surely no future government... Well, there's around a billion dollars involved in this. Yeah, but... Um, we'll wait and see how it goes. But, I mean, the racing industry, as I say, it's been failing, but it needs to actually, I suppose, become more attractive to punters for those to go to the racetrack to watch the races and to bet. Well, the Minister was actually saying it was more about, you know, buying and selling horses well, and, and, and showcasing well, the horses. Well, because if, the point is, if, as the racing industry has kind of been in decline, what's the point of breeding and selling horses? Because right. they're not that worth it. And, much. of course, if you want to go betting on a horse, have a very quick shower. Very quick Cold. I would say don't bother with a shower. Or don't even have a shower. As a sidebar, do you remember when Karen McAnulty and Nicola Willis sat in these chairs, these very chairs in this very room, when they first arrived in this building, and both signing, when I said, what do you want, you know, why have you become politicians? And they, I said, it's to be the PM, isn't it? And they both said, no, we want to help people. Yeah. Don't want to be the PM. Look at Nicola Willis now. Tell me she doesn't want to be PM. Look at Karen. Well, I think you'd have to ask them again. I don't, I don't need mean, to ask them. It's obvious. Well, why didn't you pin them down then? That I was did a hope, pin them that down was clearly then. a hopeless I interview. said to them, you can't tell me you don't want to be PM, and they argued and said no. Anyway, I want to talk now about the Greens. Pretty much slipping through the media malaise, the Greens list is out. What do you think of the list? Um... Well, Julian Genter up one, and that's I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of a shift around, but it was pretty much as expected. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, I, don't, I mean, it, it interests me as to how much the voting public will take notice of the list and be really aware Zero. of who's yeah, ranked on the list. I mean, it's I won't more, care. it'll be more about the people they hear on, you know, in, in the news, and that's really the, the co-leaders, James Shaw, yep. Mara, but, but others like Chloe. Chloe Swarbrick and others yep. who, who have a profile. Yep. So it's, it's, you know, and, and, and it'll be the main message. And I guess the thing for the Greens is, given the earlier problems I had this year, now that the list is out, they'll hope that that's going to be fairly... Um, stable and there won't be any kind of more um, no, well, of course, kerfuffle. Well, 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 if you get other news headlines, that sort of goes, and for example, Climate Minister James Shaw looking like the right royal rooster in the henery. Puffed out chest, almost frothing with excitement over that New Zealand mm. steel deal. Got to say, though, it's a bit of a good win for him. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, what is it? It's cutting their emissions by about 45%. And in terms of total emissions, it's, it's the, you know, it's about 1%, sing- isn't it? One, yeah, it's one. the single biggest step they've taken to reduce emissions. So, um, although the deal has to still go through. Yeah. Um, so, but in that sense, yeah, it would be quite a good win for the Green Party. Well, then they could delay taking away all the car parks in Wellington now. have got a bit more time. No, you still need to get on the train. 
Parliament sitting next week and this weekend the Labour Party Congress. Basically, calling it Congress, they only call it that in election year. Basically, the big G up heading into the election. Um, do you think that in the <laughs> in the fight, Labour are going to use AI or, la or they just use actors? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the difference. Yeah, well, that, yeah. well, that was an interesting debate, wasn't it? But I think the point that uh, National Party leader Christopher Luxon made about that AI thing was, yeah, well, most, most parties, and I think Labour have done this, often use models for their... Um, photography on either their way, they're not real they're not, people. And either way, not real people. So, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah, I think people have got very um, supposedly concerned about that. I mean, if you saw AI being used to present, something well, how would in, I know? In a way that was false, and this, you know, in a way that maybe action, you know, a moving video of something which actually didn't happen, then you could have real reason to argue. But, um, yep. but it, it probably be be good on all parties sides to actually be clear when they put up this stuff somewhere just in the small print this is a model this is AI so people know yep. and we, you know we're getting more and more on social media from all the political parties actually yep. a lot of bulldust and it would be good Oof. if the, yep would be good if they were more clear and honest about what they oh, were we doing. know that's not going to happen um Here's my prediction for the next two weeks. It's going to be a massive race on between Labor and National as to who can release their tax policy first. That I, no, no, I don't think you'll see Labor releasing their no, tax policy. No, but I think National will be racing to release theirs. Well, they've already put their tax policy out, Grant. You might have missed that. What they what they have now have said, they? yeah, what they have now <laughs> said is, have they? yes, they're going to raise tax threshold, income oh, tax yeah, thresholds yeah, yeah. at a cost of they yeah. said one point eight billion a year. Now it's gone up. Yeah, but so means, what, yeah, what I mean, get from I mean national, their full tax policy. Yeah, well, what we get from national under pressure, they said they weren't going to do that until after the pre-election. That's right. Economic fiscal Now, now they're going to do it. Yes. Now they're going to do it earlier. Yes. That's right, like I just said. That's Beehive Banter for another week, and not so another week closer to the election, but another week, as I said, closer to knowing each major party's tax policy. I sense we will not have to wait long, Brent. It's coming, I'm telling you. As usual, we appreciate you taking the time to watch, read or listen, and we'll both catch you next time. NBR are offering a free trial to newcomers. See what all the fuss is about on our flagship website, nbr.co.nz. After the release of last week's budget, there was a lot of focus on who the winners and losers were. Well, to discuss whether that's helpful to understanding the budget, let's get to NBR's political editor, Brent Edwards. So, Brent, you're of the view that we shouldn't necessarily look at the winners and losers. Why? Yeah, I mean, look, winners and losers, it's a great headline and it's just an easy thing to do. And, I mean, much of the way the media covers it, we do it. And and to be honest, the way the government presents it and, and, and the way that the opposition will tend to criticise it focuses around that too because, you know, the government of the day, particularly in an election year as it is this year, will focus on, look what we've done for these people and these people and you're all better off and, you know, thanks to the budget as though... Um, but, you know, the, it's the overall figure. So what happens with winners and losers, you, you focus on probably two couple of billion dollars of new spending, roughly, That's where's that gone? And kind of everyone forgets almost that this is a $137 billion budget, and we should be focused on that, the overall budget, the total numbers, where it's being spent, and whether that money's being effective or not, because for all the winners and losers, all of us, all taxpayers, the money goes on education, health, police, justice, transport. all those areas, transport, mm. and so and and capital investment and infrastructure that we depend on. So we've all got a vested interest in ensuring that every dollar is spent as well as possible. So I think that's where the focus ought to be on, rather than on a, a few bits that are taken cherry picked off the top. 
about where some group or other might be better off because they're getting some money out of the budget and other groups are going to feel they're not because they're not getting anything out of the budget. But you can't ignore the politics in the budget, can you, especially election year? Yeah, you, you can't ignore the politics in the budget, but in a sense the politics of the budget are really round, you know, digging deeply into the budget as to say whether that spending is effective or not, which, you know, you'd expect opposition parties to look at and they're arguing that it's not. So, and But, yeah, but the politics of the budget are important in a sense of, and obviously you can see that the government has focused on some areas where it presumably thinks it can get some perhaps political gains out of it and, and probably from a political perspective it worked quite well for them um, last week and it kind of put the National Party on the back foot with its response around the um, prescription charges being scrapped and, you know, it was it would oppose it and then it came out and had to sort of um, come back and say, oh, no, it would be targeted. And, uh, you know, so in that sense, yeah, in the politics of it, the, probably the government um, in the first week at least um, if won that argument. It, it, it was the winner. Mm, and it's also an argument that it's swayed a lot of those um, voters that may not necessarily have made their mind up yet about which way to go. Well, you know, that that's an argument, um, but... Just how much of an impact it'll have, you know, I mean, I guess we'll find out on election day per se, but I, I always remember um, a former finance minister, Michael Cullen, saying to me that budgets did not win you elections, but they could lose you elections. So I would suspect from Labor's perspective, they probably see this budget as not losing them the election, but um, whether it'll win them an election or not, that's, that's another story altogether. Well, the budget was a week ago. Do we just move on? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think often that's the case. You know, budget comes out Thursday, everyone gets into it and there's opposition has a crack at it and the media sort of run right for a day or two with headlines and then everyone thinks it's all over. Um, no, I think, you know, it, we in the media, um, but I certainly would imagine the opposition parties will continue to look at the budget, look at areas of spending and and sort of scrutinise it and sort of to come to an argument, of, well, you know, is, is that effective spending or not? Could it be better spent elsewhere? And, of course, what will happen is that there'll be items of spending in the budget that haven't been clear that will pop up where, you know, because the government just makes clear what the new spending is on the things it wants to promote on budget day and, and for that almost political reasons rather than necessarily for economic or fiscal reasons. Um, but there will be elements of spending that we won't know about that will only become apparent over the next weeks or, or months even. So, so I mean, yeah, we have to keep on digging away and looking at into the budget um, and see where the money's being spent. And, you know, I suppose, you know, the Auditor General, John Ryan, has been running this line for a couple of years now about wanting to ensure that spending is, is effective. You can work out that it's lawful, that the appropriations that are in the budget are spent where they're meant to, but do, does that spending achieve the outcomes that people had expected? And that's, you know, where the focus should be. Brent Edwards, thank you. Like what you're hearing? Join the discussion with our member subscribers at our website, nbr.co.nz. NBR columnist Bridget Morton is critical of the government's tendency to spend more money to fix problems, arguing that approach does not lead to good results. She joins me now. So obviously the budget um, increased in spending up to $137 billion in the coming financial year. You think the government or the 
Grant Robertson, the finance minister, could have found a few more savings? Oh, he definitely could have found more savings. But I think overall the narrative that this government has set and what makes it really difficult for future governments is that they have thrown money at every problem. And so people just assume that we have to spend this amount of money, that we have to throw these kind of dollars. You know, once upon a time, a billion dollars meant something. Now it seems like it's just something you can just find around the traps to spend on whatever you like. Yeah, although relatively speaking, a billion dollars is worth a little less now, than, isn't it? I mean, I mean, yes, that's true, but still, a billion dollars is a lot of money. I mean, yeah. I mean you could do something pretty useful with a billion dollars, I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking um, back to um, Bill English's finance minister, you know, and Grant Robertson's argument is that, look, this budget would have been less, there would have been less spending had it not been for Cyclone Gabriel and the Auckland floods, and I think back, obviously, the national government responding to the global financial crisis and the Canterbury earthquakes, and of course they had an $18 billion deficit, I think, the first year after that, the earthquakes, and um, you know, spending as a proportion of GDP was at 32% in 2013, which is what this government says it'll get it down to next year. I mean, you know, does he have some wriggle room in terms of dealing with those challenges? I think without a doubt that, you know, you do have to allow the governments to respond to major events, and that's what we saw earlier this year. Similarly, during COVID, they had to respond um, with the wage subsidy and things, but if you look at the overall trend, that there is an increase in spending and not necessarily targeted spending. So just pointing to the Cyclone Gabriel uh, fund as, uh, on itself, there's very few parameters around actually what it will be spent with and how it will be spent. At the moment, it's basically a big bucket of money. And we know this government, when they see a big bucket of money, spend it on lots of different things. Take the COVID um, response fund. They spent it on cameras on fishing boats, for instance, something completely unrelated to the COVID relief. So I think, you know, that's the problem is that they've actually gone, actually, we just need to attach a large number to this. We can justify it because an event happened. But actually, the discipline about the spend within that is something that they're not good at. But the billion dollars, I think, is a, I mean, a fair proportion is going to be spent on roads, rail, some um, flood protection work and it's actually in terms of spending still a drop in the bucket to the, in terms of the total cost isn't it? Yeah but if you go back and look at this government's record on spending on infrastructure like that what is their record about infrastructure? So Kiwi Build was a disaster, they wasted money on that Harbour Bridge cycle crossing Light Rail has had millions and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of consultant reports and nothing has happened. So if you say that this government, yes, they've put a large number next to an infrastructure project, they have done that multiple times for. That doesn't mean, just because they've thrown money at it, that they're actually going to deliver it or we're going to see any fiscal restraint about how they actually spend that money when they go to actually build that infrastructure. Where do you think that they should have cut or, or, or not spent, if you like? Well, I think there's a couple of things in the budget that really point to not necessarily the best targeting of spending, particularly when you look at the circumstances. First of all, the great concerns around that sort of gaming industry subsidy. That seems to be more a result of the fact that we've given subsidies to the film industry and they're trying to compete that way and what's happening in Australia. Not necessarily the greatest need at this time. I think also, you know, the universality of the prescription charge removal is obviously a problem. I mean, there is very, there's a small group of people, yes, this makes a massive difference too, and they do need to be looked after. Nobody wants people not to be able to get their medications, but I certainly do not need a free prescription charge. Most people I know don't need that. I don't think that is where the government should have splashed money. And from all reports, it was a sort of a last minute, oh no, we need to do something about cost of living, let's throw some money at it. 
On the gaming side, the government's been under pressure in that for a long time, and there does seem to be evidence that both um, skilled people but also some firms have been relocating to Australia because of their subsidy. I mean, didn't it have to respond if it was going to actually retain a decent gaming industry here? I think the retirement you know, sector would say that they're really screaming out for aged care support. You know, They really need workers in that, and the more money they could get into that sector. Our nurses would say the same thing. We have massive holes in our dental support. It's, there's lots of different areas you know, that need actually additional spending. And there was, I you know, admit, there was absolutely some spending in the budget for those sort of operational costs. But you can't, I don't think, argue that the gaming industry is way more in a harder situation than any other industry going into the current economic situation we're in, or many of our frontline services. I mean, looking at the opposition parties, I mean, ACT, for instance, is very clear about where it would cut spending, and and one of the things it would do is it would get rid of all of those subsidies, the film subsidies, the lot. Um, What about national? I mean, they, they talk about cutting consultancy costs and communication costs, but they're a lot less clear about where they would find savings, aren't they? Yeah, and I think you've, as you get closer to the election, they're going to have to put that level of detail out. And you'd normally expect that to happen after that pre-election fiscal update. So probably looking, I think, about September, um, if not August. So I think they absolutely do need to give some more detail on that. But I think absolutely what we need to is actually a much higher level um, culture change here, where you've had this government that, is, as I say, keeps throwing pots of money at things, and you've seen that trend throughout multiple budgets. Actually, you need discipline within that spend. You need the public service to be on notice that they can't, you know, just throw money at things or throw money at consultants. They actually have to be really disciplined about where that money's going and that they're getting value back for the taxpayer for that spending. Bridget Morton, thank you for your time. And that's been this week's Live from the Hive. Thanks for listening.